What do we want? We want to be loved and to be happy. I saw people living in like thatch huts. There were generations of people all living together. Don't we all like to talk about ourselves? I don't feel like that this is it. It's the thing that's observing it. <laughs> Who am I? And it's called the power of now. Hey, 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 welcome back to On The Wheel. I am so thrilled to announce that we are now stepping into our fifth episode of this season. Can you believe it? Thank you for all the positive feedback you've been giving. Five episodes doesn't seem much, but let us celebrate this milestone together. As a world-renowned coach, Tony Robbins would say, don't forget to celebrate along the way. In this conversation, Al and I talk about happiness and how it eludes many of us. We talk about some of the tendencies of the Amazonians' emotional quality of life in relation to their strong community bond. El wishes for more meaningful relationships in her life. She expresses the difficulty of dealing with the loss of her beloved cat companion. I touch on the topic of awakening in relation to her experiences of loss and share some thoughts of my own. If you like the show, turn on the notification, save the show. Every Saturday morning, a new episode will be released. So don't forget to set the reminder. I am excited to dive into this episode with you. So without any further ado, let us get right into it. Hello. Hello. Oh, Raining. As I proceeded further and further with my inquiry into the atrocities okay. that had been committed on the people, would you like some hot coffee? Of government okay. and the arbitrary despotism nice. of officers, such as nice I hardly prefer. <laughs> would you prefer, rather prefer tea what or coffee? And what surprise. I'm trying to decide because I don't know whether people like coffee or tea anymore. Uh, I don't think you could ever go wrong with coffee, huh? Well, I was going to say tea. Oh, really? People don't want the caffeine. Right, you're right. Okay, okay. I would recommend I don't. I have uh, early flight in the morning, so. Oh, you do? I don't want to drink caffeine. Where to? To Phoenix. What, what are you doing over in Phoenix? Sedona and... Uh, Sedona? Yep, I'm going to go to Cathedral Rock and Antelope Canyon. What? How fun. So fun. With friends? I hope. Oh, it's always nice self-exploration trip. I'm sick of solo traveling. Oh, you are? I've been doing it for so long. That's true. They, they both have beauty to them. Depends on where we're at at our journey, right? Yeah, and at this at this point in my journey, I'm tired of it. Yeah. I've been at it a long time. Okay. Oh, well, with friends, friends you shall. Huh? With friends you shall go. I don't even have friends who are interested in doing things that I want to do. The inch, they don't have the yeah. interest, the time, the finances. Yeah. Making friends there when you get to the place. No, I've been traveling all these years. I've not met one friend that. Really. I, not a one. Oh. There's there's so many people all over the world. Where have you been? All over the world, all yeah. seven continents. What uh, what did you learn traveling all over the world? Is there like something that you learned from traveling? Um like what I learned about myself is Yeah, what do you learn about yourself? I am very cool. 
courageous and Aww. resourceful. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fun. Uh huh. And I also learned that we have way more similarities and differences between us around the world. Yeah. All humans basically want the same thing. What do we want? Oh, to want to be loved and to be happy and to be loved i think so and to be happy yes. you know there's something interesting about those two things that you listed they're very paradoxical first of all when we say we want to be loved i think it rather we're trying to say we want to feel love from within because the love cannot come from the outside and the happiness things is never an object of itself to be accomplished but rather a side effects of the internal state of being in which I find both of those things very interesting when observed. Okay. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I agree, but I don't know if around the world that, uh, I don't think people are self-reflective enough to realize that your happiness does come from within. Huh. I don't think, but... Why do you say so? Because I often find people say other places where, where they're like third world country they're a lot poorer but they seem to be happier in some descriptions you know what you're absolutely right and why do you think that is i think because well when you say that what comes to mind for me is i'll never forget i was in where did i go amazon river peru and I saw people living in like thatch huts on the side of the river. They're, they were washing their clothes, washing their kids, everything in the Amazon River. Uh -huh. And they, at one point in the trip, we were able to interact with the, the locals. And they seemed so at peace, so happy and so... The, the family seems so close-knit mm. and I think maybe maybe their happiness comes with, from the fact that they have all that love and I noticed that there were generations of people all living together so I don't know maybe it's that the family support that makes me happy. Mm. From your observation you think that's one of the you suspect that that's one of the quality of their Ex their expressions, their happiness. That's what I think. Oh. I would be happier or more um, I can't even say Yeah, I think if I had a closer knit family it would bring me more joy and happiness in my spirit. But I don't. I, I do. <laughs> you know what? I do I do observe a, I was just at my wife um, in-law yesterday mm -hmm. and there were so many people it was like like around 20 15 to 20 and there were like 10 kids running around they're screaming and there's little babies just fat and chubbies and they're just <laughs> you know and people's chatting away and there's good there's food and there's there's babies laughing and there's kissing and there's huggings and and it's delightful. It is. And you, you're right, in some aspect, that is delightful. 
However, I also find the opposite being true, meaning I can sit there by myself, with myself, anywhere, and I find this sense of joy coming up in me, and I will, I will take myself out, I'll go eat by myself, and I find it delightful, and I would sit and just have no music, no nothing, and I find it's delightful, and I would walk in the rain, and, and so I find both being relevant to the feelings of joy, so they're not, they're, they're, they seem to be correlated to, this, to the feeling of joy, but not exclusive. I also think it depends on the person. Some people don't like to be alone no matter what. And um, I would say that, um, like, I don't mind it. And I enjoy my time by myself, but mm. I have a lot of time by myself. And I wish that there were people that I enjoyed being around. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true that you wish that. Otherwise, you would have it. No, people that I enjoy. Yeah. I be around people but not people that I really enjoy and like. Oh, really? Yeah. What What are like some of the people that you enjoy now? Some of their qualities that you enjoy? They are people of their word. Okay. So integrity? Yes. Um, I feel like they have my best interest. I don't mm. feel like they're smiling in my face, but secret, secretly Mm. for my downfall, so I feel like they're honest and loyal, fun, equally yoked intellectually, mm. emotionally, uh, mentally, mm. and very in, in varying degrees. It depends on in those three things. Depending on what I'm talking about, but it's honesty, sense of integrity sense of, of genuine care for, for, for others' well-being. Yes. And then what's the other? Oh, intellectually intriguing or? Um, yeah, that. In which aspect? Like, is there any particular like aspect that you feel like intellectually um, excelled people? Excelled people that you would enjoy? Like business or spiritual or social or it's cultural? It's for everybody. Like, uh, <clears throat> one of my friends is a nurse. Uh -huh. and I wouldn't say that she's exceptionally bright. Yes, she passed all her classes for nursing school and everything. But when it comes to like people, if I need advice about how to handle a situation, yeah. I know she always, she's a real good people person. Mm. Like, um, By the nature of being a nurse. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Don't we all like to talk about ourselves? <laughs> yeah, but I'm, a, I'm an excellent listener. Like, uh, I don't listen to people just in order to uh, talk next. Mm. I'm listening to hear what they're sharing with me. Mm. I feel like they deem me important enough to share a, a sliver of their life and existence, then I am going to listen. Mm. So. You would say you have a strong sense of presence in, when, in conversation with others? Oh, yeah. Mm. I've been told that I ask questions like a prosecutor. 
A prosecutor. <laughs> that sounds scary. I like to make things make sense. If you're speaking in vague terms, uh, I want I want to understand it. I want to understand what you're saying. Mm. Your words fall out of your mouth. I want to hear a whole story. Mm. I want to get the feeling of what it you is. want depth. Yes. Yeah. Depth. Not surface stuff. No. So, what do you think is the meaning of life? I don't know. I have no idea. What if you were to ask, be asked to think about that? What would you think, based on your human experience? What is your life about? What is this? Thing called life about for you. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of like in a in a little phase right now where I'm kind of wondering that. And mm. Life just feels a little odd for me. Mm. A little bit. I feel like sometimes I am. I know I'm human. Uh huh. Sometimes I think. I feel like I'm outside of my human body, observing myself, like mm. living. I know that might sound crazy, but I don't know. I feel like I don't feel like that. This is it. I feel like they're. I don't know. Like parallel universes are mm. the is what I'm trying to say, but mm. I really don't know. Like this whole human existence thing is. It's just weird to me. Mm. Like I listen to my thoughts, and I'm like, "How is this playing in my head?" Mm. This is my head. Yeah. What? What are? Where are those thoughts coming from? When you say my head, who are you? Are you the the head, or are you the body, or who are you? And see, that's the whole thing. Like I hear my thoughts, and I'm like, "Why did that just pop into my head?" Yeah. Where did it come from? Who put it there? Yeah. Why or did that happen? Who is looking at those thoughts? Where where is that coming from? Where is it? Where are you where, observing where it from? I, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just. Yeah, I feel like it's all of this. Is... You know the the odd feelings you're feeling. I I think is perfectly um, appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very appropriate thing to feel, concerning the fact that we start to. I mean, in many spiritual tradition, they would call that the beginning of awakening. Really? Yes. Yeah. You are observing. You disidentify from your thinking, meaning that thinking is not you. So you start to recognize, oh wow, the thoughts—it's just there, but there is something observing it. So what is the thing that's observing it? <laughs> Who am I? Right. Yes. yes. You're right. Beginning of awakening. You are. It's, it's feel odd. It's true. Yeah. I welcome it. Yeah. But yeah. Well, there are a server book that I could recommend that could help you understand it deeper if you like. Yeah. Do you read? I do, mostly fiction, but I. I mostly read non-fictions. Yeah. Usually people are one of another category. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the name of the book? There are two books. Uh, depends on what kind of. You seem to be a more logical brain, yes. so I would recommend *Living Untethered* or *The Untethered Soul* by Michael A. Singer. The latter is the first book, so maybe read that first because *The Untethered Soul* by Michael A. Singer. Singer, you can get 
both either hand hand written in in book form or audible form. So, by Michael A. Singer. And living untethered, both by Michael. Le yes, living untethered. But let's give you a variety so that you have choices. Wait, so Michael Singer wrote both of these books. Correct, and I I recommend the 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 untethered soul to be read first. Yes. Whichever speak to you, you know, it's they're both independent. They they don't need to be read one next to each other to make sense. And why do you why do you say untethered soul first though? Well, because it seems that it's a, it's written fundamentally to be very easy to understand and direct for the brain, and so I recommend that. And the second, written by a gentleman uh, named Eckhart Tolle. And it's called the power of now. Are you doing? <laughs> yes, it speaks precisely, but he's more esoteric, but at the same time, very precise descriptions of the inner voice, which is me and myself. So who is the real one? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah I bought it, and it, it at the time that I bought it, it didn't hold my attention, but maybe at this point in my life, it will. Perhaps. He's more spiritual, and if you want more direct energy, like cutting through, you seem to have a more sturdy, like earth feelings tone. So I think Michael A. Singer might cut through your like thinking layer a little better. Okay. So perhaps read Michael's work first. The reason why you haven't read Eckhart because he doesn't speak to you, and that's okay. We all find our own teaching at the time we need. And if you like, like you do, you enjoy, you enjoy music and something like quick within the hour, and like something that which is like whoa, that's like wow, jolt you a little bit, and really sweet and delightful. And you may look up if you like Alan Watts on YouTube. Okay. And if you like music, then we'll search Alan Watt Chill Step. It's really nice music with. Esoteric teaching. Chill step. Yeah, Alan Watts, very very popular, well known and deep teacher. I personally enjoy. It is music, but it's all also teaching. Uh huh. Yeah, give you a little taste of it. Now you see, it's true. We mustn't give the show away. That's why there are esoteric teachings. But on the other hand, there is another opposite extreme, uh, which is not realizing that the show is a show, and that's as bad as giving the show away. So you have always, when you are in the theater, say you go to the movies, and you go to see some <coughs> great horror movie. Awful thing. Well, why does one do it? You want a thrill, and the whole of the universe wants a thrill. That's what it's all about. Otherwise, it would be boring. 
But when you go to the movie, you know in your heart of hearts that it's only a movie. And yet you contrive to some degree to forget this while you're there. And therefore get scared and uh, feel real creeps. But that's great. Some people like to go and cry. They go and see some tragedy and just love to weep. Because it's a catharsis. It uh, gets all the salt out of it or something. I know. And uh, uh, so uh, you, 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 you do this thing. And uh, it is, we can say it's vicarious. Yeah. But that is the spirit of showmanship at play. So one might say then that uh, it is possible in this life to attain a sort of metaphysical courage in which you are, you know, really know deep within that the most harrowing experiences that physical existence can offer show. Now this is the, uh, what you might call, ultimate nerve. And for example, when the samurai in Japan studied Zen, that's what they wanted to get. They wanted to get ultimate nerve so that absolutely nothing would faze them. So there is a poem which says, under the sword lifted high, there is hell making you tremble. But go ahead, and there is the land of bliss. Don't hesitate, see, don't, don't be blocked, don't be um, phased, nonplussed by the illusion. Now you would say, well, that's all very well, but I can't bring myself to that. I start to shake and I can't stop it. It's not to do with my will. And no amount of gritting my teeth, clenching my muscles, uh, exercising my willpower can get rid of the shakes when I am really scared. That's true. But you must remember that the secret to all this is not to be afraid of fear. When you can really allow yourself to be afraid and you don't resist the experience of fear, you are truly beginning to master fear. But when you refuse to be afraid, you are resisting fear. And that simply sets up a vicious circle of being afraid of fear and being afraid of being afraid of fear and so on. That's what we call worry. Worry is simply a chronic condition. And people who worry are going to worry no matter what happens. Because when one possible threat is exterminated, they will immediately discover another. Because worry is an infinitely skinned onion. And you can go on and on and on because the moment you see, you reduce the size of the onion and you get your worry down to about this. Suddenly your whole sense of distance and size changes. And because you are looking so intently at this little onion, it fills your whole field of vision and is once again a big onion. See? You start peeling that down. But as you get another one about this size, then it enlarges itself in your judgment and your sense of values. And once more, it's philosophy. Now that's always going on. So if you are disposed to worry, there is always plenty to worry. You make plenty of money and you have no troubles about that, then you start wondering if you're going to get a disease. 
the doctor says, no, it's all right, nothing wrong with you, then you wonder if you're going to get into an accident. Then you take precautions, and then you wonder if there's going to be a political revolution, etc. Whether your house is going to be robbed. Uh, there's always something. So it is a, really, this kind of worrying is a completely useless pursuit. And yet, we feel a little guilty if we don't do it. Because uh, it's somehow put into us that a proper amount of worrying is uh, showing a good sense of responsibility. You're concerned. And Paul Tillich uh, used this word concern in a special way. And Quakers always use the word concern. And all people, you might say, who are socially conscious are concerned. So when we say, I'm concerned, it means I have a frown on my face. And uh, I, I'm, I'm worried about you, about the nation, about the war, and so on. Concern. Until it said, religion is ultimate concern. I am concerned about the universe. And he used this wonderful decontaminated word for God, which he got from Eckhart, the ground of being. See, God still has whiskers on it ground of being doesn't. And so, uh, ultimate concern is to be concerned about the ground of being. Well now, I don't think you, you I'm not sure about two. I, I knew him. He was a very wonderful man. But what I call concern, in the way I would want to is something more like amazement. In other words, that existence is extremely peculiar. Um, I mean, it's, I can't get my, I can't explain this feeling because I don't know quite how to ask a question about existence so that I could be said to be wondering about it in some sort of clear thinking way. What, what uh, is this a very nice thing to consider to yourself that if you were going to have an interview with the Lord God, and you would have only five minutes, and you might ask one question, what would you ask? And you've got plenty of time to think this over in advance. And you realize, question after question, say, no, that's not really the thing I want to get at. Uh-uh, it's not that. Like, do you exist? God would say, well, of course, yes, here I am. <laughs> am I having a hallucination? <laughs> No. Well, uh, I'm, how can I be sure that this isn't a hallucination, you see? Well, then you reject all that sort of question. And when you finally come down to it, you don't know what to ask. There is a sort of question in your mind, not so much a question as a questioning. A feeling of, it's all unbelievable. It's amazing. I wonder at it, I marvel at it. It is a miracle that there is anything. But um, it's like a friend of mine who went to a Zen master, got an interview after trouble, an interpreter. And he sat down and said, you know, now I'm here, I don't know what to ask. I just feel like laughing. And Zen master said, well, let's laugh. <laughs> and they just broke up.
So. <laughs> But that feeling, you see, of the, the marvelousness of being is what I call, or would want to mean by Tillich's phrase, ultimate concern. It's also love is involved in it. See, that's the part of the problem of um, an abstractionist culture such as ours. As I indicated, we are not materialists, we are abstractionists. Uh, a materialist is a, is a lover and therefore is somebody related to the present because you see except in the present when you have under your hands a piece of wood and uh, you say my hasn't that a gorgeous grain and you fondle it if it moves constantly <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you, you run over this and think, yes, you gorgeous, you see. Well, you're, so you're loving it. Uh, it may be that it's an apple. And you say, I love you so much I could eat you. And you eat it. And you relish it. That's loving in a special way. So uh, concern and love, and there are many forms of love. There's a whole spectrum of different kinds of love, which runs from the red of libido to the violet of divine charity. All of them are equally important because, as you know, you can't have a violet end without the red end, vice versa. You wouldn't know what violet was unless you had all the other colors. The colors create each other. So it isn't simply black and white. Between black and white is the spectrum. And just as black and white arise mutually. Yep, let's see. Well, he was very deep and all over the place. Oh, he's absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. I wanted him to touch more on the whole worry thing. Yeah, you have a nice wave. Oh. Like a nice voice. Thank you. Voice. Are you in therapy? Like, do you, are you a therapist? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just here to help. Really lovely meeting you. Yeah, it was yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, I'm going through a thing. I lost my cat. She passed away after 16 years. Mm. So it's like it really bothers me that I don't know where she is. Mm. So that's why I was saying that. Mm. I just feel like I don't know what life is. What is this like? Where is my baby? Energy it's, cannot be created nor destroyed. And I feel her so strongly, and mm. I've never had this before because I don't have. Um, strong family connections with my human family, but I had a, a strong connection with her. Mm. 16 years I took care of her, wow. and I still feel her energy. I, I, I mean, I just feel it. That's all I can say. She is yeah. here. She, I feel she like is? she is. Yeah. She is a part of me. She is yeah. a part of my soul and my spirit. Uh -huh. And I just wonder wherever she is, if she still feels me. Uh, of course. All energies are one energy at the end of the day. So it's actually, she is, yeah, good, good. <laughs> you, you, you really appreciate that being. And so you have an emotional connection and it's great to feel that. I know suffering and I know what it feels like to have lost, to 
loss is always in my future, but that's not my reality at all. So the lesson here is the lesson of letting go, knowing that it's nothing to let go of because it's always there. Yeah, we're, we never go anywhere. Creation is form right now, meaning that the consciousness that was of the cat, then your consciousness never dissipate, always here in creation at this moment. So ultimately that's what we need to come into being with. And it seems you are at the beginning of awakening. You seem to have good physical comfort. So now it's mental and spiritual growth that is that's the impulse of our our universe is it's it want to wake up and know itself in a sense esoteric but basically i want to know who i am yeah and so those books will help you yeah, yeah. you're help. welcome yeah i was considering therapy yeah and uh, therapy is great too yeah. find the right person yeah. yeah yeah books books is incredible therapy therapy is whatever helps you yes. helps you to realize that Suffering is a choice. At a certain point, it is unconscious, but on, when we wake up, which, because we're having this conversation, I assume that you're at the beginning of it, and you're receptive, meaning making sense to you, that means you are ready. There's a seed in you to start to experience life beyond personal suffering. So that's the work. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to leave a rating and turn on your Apple Podcast notification for weekly release. Feel free to share this podcast with others who might also enjoy it. If you're looking for ways to connect, my Instagram handle is in the descriptions. I'm looking forward to the next episode of On The Wheel. This is your host, Chen, signing out.